Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Praise God. All right. So, there is this um, thing about interpretation of scriptures that do not pay attention to the context of scripture. And if you follow that growth class uh, where we talked about the interpretation of scriptures is something that you should pay attention to. Uh, let me give you two very quickly before we uh, get into the word tonight. You remember when the scripture says that I stand at the door of your heart and knock. How many of you remember that scripture? Are you here or you are going home? Okay. How many of you remember I stand at the door of your heart and knock? Okay. We use it for what? What do we use it for? To preach what? Salvation. Are we? Do we agree? Okay. Is that what the Bible is talking about there? Okay, let me test you. Who can tell me where it is? You get, if I say Naira notes now, everybody will watch the scriptures. Okay, who can tell me where is, I stand at the door of your heart and knock? Revelation chapter what? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Okay, this is taking us from where we want to go, but... Uh, Okay, let's pray, and then we get into the Word, so that this is part of the recording. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you, because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles take place at the teaching of your Word, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, in our subject of the Antichrist, one of the most important things we need to understand about the Antichrist is the context with which it was used. Now, I was telling you that one of the challenges we have, this is a Bible study class, so I'm going to do this. One of the challenges we have, especially in the body of Christ, is that we do not read um, about the Bible passages in their context. So let me give you two examples. For instance, if I say, if, if, um, if I say, uh, let, me, let me look for an example. If I say, uh, Whatever is... Okay, if I say, that's your cup of tea. If I say, if I use the word, that's your cup of tea. What do I mean? Who can tell me quickly? If I say, that's your cup of tea, what do I mean? That's your... That's your concern. Okay? That's my business. It's your business. Okay. That's my trouble. Could you also mean that that's actually... I'm actually telling you that that's your cup of tea. That like, this is your cup of tea. It could mean so. So you can't interpret that except you now, you need to find out, you know, what else am I saying with that? So for instance, if, uh, well, I like to drink tea a lot. So if Pastor Mary comes and says, uh, that's your cup of tea, right? I, I wouldn't assume that she's saying that's my problem, right? I would assume that she's saying what? That's my tea. My cup of tea is on the table. But if maybe I did something to her, she's not happy, and she said, that's your cup of tea. Will I assume that I have tea on top of the table? I don't know. I'm in trouble. So, cup of tea 
cannot just be cup of tea cannot just mean cup of tea. Cup of tea has to mean something based on what was said before the cup of tea or the action before cup of tea. Do you understand? I stand at the door of your heart and knock cannot mean I stand at the door of your heart and knock. There is something about the door and there's somebody standing and there's why he's knocking. Find it out. Let's read Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. So he is writing to the church. First of all, remember, in those of you that I taught in Bible interpretation class, all their intended, author's intended meaning. In, author's intended meaning. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. So who was he writing to? Who is this passage being written to? The answer is there now. Okay, to the pastor. Of who? Is there now? Church in Laodicea. So this letter is written to a church. The word angel, if you, you, when you hear angel in the Bible, don't think of uh, flying wings. The word angel is the Greek word angelos and it means messenger. Okay, so to so the messenger of the church in Laodicea, right, the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So he was talking about the people who were in the backsliding state. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, because you say I am rich and I become wealthy and have need of nothing and you do not know... Uh, that you're rich and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you, you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I serve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Who is this still talking to? Church, follow me now. Who is this still talking to? Then he says, Behold. Who will the behold be referring to here? The church. It's simple. It's the church. It's, we are still on the same. Is the same conversation going on? Is it a different conversation? No, it's the same conversation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and will dine with him, and he with me, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. He who, has e he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the Word. Churches. So from the beginning of the verse to the end of the verse, the audience is revealed. So that verse of Scripture was referring to the backsliding church in Laodicea. Another one, I will not want us to go there because of time, is when you know, we want to share testimony in church and then we tell people, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Does anybody have a testimony? You know, sometimes when you force people to tell testimonies, that's how people waste time in church. Say, so you, all of you mean for, for this whole, God did not do anything for you, then you just see one man who just said, praise the Lord, I want to thank God, I slept yesterday, I woke up, not everybody slept. What's it? <laughs> because we want to force people to testify. Then we say, and they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And in our mind, the word of their testimony is that they slept and they woke up. 
But the next line, I don't know why we don't like finishing scriptures in church. It's very poor. The next line, the word of their testimony, comma, for they love not their lives unto death. For they love not their lives unto death. It shows us what that testimony is. That testimony was not that they bought a car. It was the fact that they stood in the midst of persecution to hold forth the testimony of Jesus at the expense of their life. That's how they overcame. Go back and read it. And why did I do this introduction? It's because as we start studying the, the subject of the Antichrist, as we started on Sunday, it's context that reveals meaning. Context reveals meaning. So, let, let me show you something. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll show you verse 15. 2 Timothy 3, 15. Look at what it, what it says. It says, look at verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned, learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. The New American Standard Bible uses the word sacred writings. The other translation uses the word scriptures. You have known the scriptures, okay? Which are able to give you what? What are the scriptures able to give us? The wisdom that leads to what? Salvation through what? Faith in Christ Jesus. So we know what the scripture is all about. What's the scripture all about? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now go to Luke, Luke chapter 24. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse... 44, let me see. Luke 24, 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me, written, who will this be? Jesus, right? Written about me in the law of Moses and the prophet and the psalm must be fulfilled. What did verse 45 say? Then he opened their minds to understand what? The scriptures. So we know that the psalms, the prophets, uh, and the Moses was written about Jesus. Having said that, you must understand that the foundation of the New Testament is the messianship of Jesus, which means that Jesus being the Christ. Okay. Now, having said that, let's get into what we have today. Now, I'm going to do something. I think in the write-up with saints, I talked, I, I talked about the fact that I was going to teach on the man of sin and then the false prophet of Jesus. But as I continue to study the subject, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the man of sin separately on a separate subject. Okay? So today we would focus on what Jesus warned us about so that he can lead us on Sunday, which we obviously have more people come around. He can lead us to actually now talk about the use of the Antichrist on, um, on Sunday. Now, the reason being the fact that the man of sin... Uh, if we are going to study the man of sin, we actually need to take that verse one after the second Timothy chapter, second Thessalonians chapter four. We need to take it one after the other. We need to take the words used there one after the other. Look at the Greek meaning of each word because there are certain English words that are used in that passage of scripture that look the same in English, but that look differently in the Greek. So, it, it's, it's not something we can finish in just one study. So, what I had said earlier is the fact that when people talk about the Antichrist, 
they always refer to one man who is going to come, who is going to torment people, roast people, give them some mark of the beast. And what you just find out is that people model up all kinds of verses. So first of all, people talk about the beast, uh, the little horn in the book of Daniel. So they take the little horn in the book of Daniel. Then they take the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then they take Antichrist in 1 John chapter 2 and 2 John chapter 1. And they take all of that and then they go to Revelation and they put everything together. And in putting all those puzzles together, they form the Antichrist. Now, no proper Bible student will interpret scriptures that way. No proper Bible student will interpret scriptures that way. And I, and I say this to, to say this very confidently. is the fact that many people have stuck with that interpretation because they haven't done due diligence to do the studies themselves. And I'll say this to you again. First of all, you never hear Jesus use the word Antichrist. Never use the word Antichrist. The epistles never use the word Antichrist. Now, some people use the, the statement of Jesus, and that is inferring, they infer, they use the statement of Jesus to mean that Jesus was actually talking about the Antichrist. And that's not true. So that's what we're going to study. Let's look at the statement of Jesus, and we're going to read a whole lot of scriptures, and also find out what, what actually did the apostles warn us about. What actually did the apostle warn us about based on what Jesus warned us about? Now, if you read um, 1 John chapter 2, when we started, it talks about the Antichrist which we have told you of before. So go to Matthew chapter 24. Go to Matthew 24. And verse... Go to Matthew 24 and verse 4. You know, that's why I like to teach this kind of subject in the School of Doctrine, so that we don't have that break, right? Because, uh, yeah, some people now, they have to catch up. And Jesus answered and said to them, Now, please, pay very close attention. As we are studying this, pay very close attention and follow all the, I want to watch out for the word deceive. Watch out for that word. Deceive. Mislead. Those are the two words you watch out for. Not mark, <laughs> deceive. Right? So watch out for those words. As we're going to, because we're going to go all through the epistles and find out what the apostles warned of, or, us of, just as Jesus warned us of. Now look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one mis misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, and I am the Christ and will mislead many. They will come and say, I am the Christ. And they will mislead many. Go to verse 15. And it talked about the abomination of dissolution which was spoken through the Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place. Then he puts this statement, let the reader understand. Let the reader understand. Now, the abomination of dissolution is something we're going to talk about some other time. But it's important to note that when we talk about the abomination of dissolution, we should remember the events that happened in AD 70 in the destruction of the, uh, of the temple in Jerusalem. Let's go to verse 23. Then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there is the Christ, do not believe him. Now, he, he's trying to say something here. 
If anyone says to you, there is the Christ, or here is the Christ, he says, don't believe that person. Now go on. He says, for false Christs. Now always observe that every time the word false, not every time, most times when the word false is used in terms of this uh, Christ, okay, in terms of this Christ and prophet, always observe that it is plural. Always observe that it is plural. It's never singular. The apostles never thought of a singular object. It says, false Christs. Remember, keep in mind what we studied on Sunday about the spirit of the Antichrist and many Antichrists, plural. Always keep in mind, those tenses are important. Pay attention to the tenses used in the scriptures because they will help you understand it. So you realize in this place, first of all, it says, false Christs. And false prophets will arise and will show you great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the very elect. Now, pay attention here. The scripture says that the false Christ and the false prophets will mislead. Now, they will have great miracles and signs. But the misleading is not in the signs and wonders. The misleading is in their taking you away, pointing to another Christ that's not Christ. Are we together? So, pay attention. It means the misleading of the false prophet is in the message. What is the message? The message that points you to an... It says, they will say, here is the Christ or there is the Christ. Which means... Now, pay attention. Let me come back here. When I preach the gospel to you, I am pointing to you, Christ the Messiah. But when a false prophet comes, he is pointing another Christ to you. So, being false there, the Greek word false is pseudo. Pseudo, 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 P-S-E-U-D-O in the English, if you want to use the English to write it. That's what it means. False, that which is not genuine. So, it is not in the signs and wonders, it is in the message. Because the message will give you direction. Are you still here? Come on, are you still here? So it says, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Okay? Now go to Luke chapter 6 verse 26. Luke 6, 26. So what Jesus warns us of is false prophets and false Christ. Luke 6, 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Now, this is what I want you to pick. False prophets, pay attention, were not going to emerge just in the last days. Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Which means... Whilst their fathers were there, the false prophets were already existing. Because one of the things that have altered our definition of the Antichrist is because we have always pushed something to one cataclysmic day where everything is just going to tumble around. And so the movies are that way, the books are that way. So even what the, the Father wants us of that is very present with us, we're not cognizant of it, we always are looking to what? To the future for that thing to happen. And you must understand that many people who had movies, had movies 
not because they have studied scriptures. Because some of you were in drama group. Come on. How many of you were in drama group? Raise your hand. You are in drama group now. What you acted, was it, somebody just came and said, you know what, you know what, you know what, <laughs> I've gotten this, I've gotten it. What have they got to? Nothing. He said, you, you'll be the devil. You then, when you are coming, you will not tempt him like this. Do you understand? And then, you will just put up something, and then the people in church are just clapping, ah, that thing touched me. It's when I just saw the devil coming. That's why I don't watch Christian films. It's, I don't, all those Moses, I don't watch all those things. Because if you watch those things long enough, you will teach them as the truth. So some of you, especially those of you who teach children, you have to be careful. Because most of what you are teaching the children might not be in the Bible. It's either book or Bible story you have read so long, or you have watched a movie, and you will just assume. And that's why sometimes when you hear some preachers preach, very eloquent, and you realize that, ah, this thing this man is saying, that's not how scripture recorded is. So they have watched Moses long enough. Soaked Moses in. So the word there is pseudo Christus, false Christ. Pseudo Christus, false Christ. False Christ. False Christ. Why did he talk about false Christ? Because the essence of the scripture is about the Messiah, it's about Christ. You see, if, listen to me. If there is anything the Antichrist will contain, it is the true knowledge of Christ, nothing else. It is to contest what? The true knowledge of Christ. Praise God. Now, go to... Uh, the same thing he said in Mark chapter 13, verse 5. Let's read that very quickly. Oh, man, time just runs like... Mark 13, 5. You know, sometimes you're teaching and you look at the clock and you just feel discouraged. Mark 13, 5. And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm he, and he will mislead many. Okay, so there's the misleading of many there. Go to verse 14. But you see the abomination of dissolution, the same thing we read. And go to verse 21. And if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is dead, do not believe him, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. So the scripture uses the word false Christ. Now, let us see. Peter picks this up. Now, we're going to go through all the epistles and see the kind of people that Paul warns us of. All the apostles warns us of, especially when it comes to false Christ, false teachers, and people who mislead. First of all, go to Second Peter chapter, chapter 2 and verse 1. So you see, what Jesus wants us of is not the Antichrist. He wants us of false Christ and false prophets and false teachers. Second, Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Peter 2, 1. And that's why you realize that everybody that has ever predicted the rapture is wrong. Never got it right. Everybody who has predicted the Antichrist always got it wrong. Because people always try to predict the Antichrist using Second Thessalonians chapter 4. And so some people feel it's narrow, some feel it's Hitler, some feel it's... So wherever they give, they always get it wrong because it's based on human calculations and not the truth of the scriptures. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people. Now, pay attention. You would always observe that these false Christ and these false prophets are not always coming. 
Do you understand? It's not like, the, you know, because the concept of the Antichrist that we have is that, you know, some people say uh, one baby was born, you know, the baby now, they now open the baby's hand. They rose six. You see, don't forward all those things, though. Don't, don't forward all those things. Eh? And then, you know, sometimes people get intrigued with all that, you know. One child was born, you have only five fingers, and I say, I'm coming soon. And so what? <laughs> you know, those things never impressed me. I don't know why. I mean, you have the scriptures. Why are you waiting for a child with four fingers to be born? If you know God, you will know God doesn't work that way. The scriptures are given for wisdom to salvation. Stop looking for spectacular things that make no meaning. You, you know, Paul calls them, um, Paul wants Timothy of old wife fables, stories. And you hear preachers, preachers sweat over that. So you say, oh, they gave birth to one child in 1969. The child is growing somewhere. At one time they said it was in South Carolina. That the doctor just opened the baby. The baby just asked his dad, that's the Antichrist. And then they've done these movies to take your, take your hard-earned money. You watch with fear. What Jesus will not do. What the apostles never did. <laughs> and that's why many people are not born again because they love God. They just want, don't want that Antichrist. You know, it's like when you go and buy something in the supermarket and then they look at it. Like, pass. They, they, don't want, they don't want Antichrist mark on them at all. Why are you so scared? You've never been taught rightly. And that's why, you know, un- until these doctrines are checked, we will have believers who are immature, living in fear. The greatest fear, let me tell you, the greatest fear that the believers in those days had was the fear of persecution. To be killed for their faith. It wasn't the fear of somebody who was going to come to hurt them. Well, let's look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as they were also... Just as there will also be false teachers among you. So Peter added the word teachers. Okay? So Peter talked about false prophets, which Jesus said. Then he talked about false teachers who will secretly or in a subtle way introduce destructive heresies. Now, what is some of those destructive? Even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Now, you see that again. Uh, um, how many of you uh, remember what we read about the Antichrist? Denying that Jesus is what? Is Christ or is come in the flesh. And this, Peter says, one of the hallmarks of these heresies was the fact that they are going to deny the master who bought them. The one who redeemed them. So whenever you see this spirit at work, you find a denial of the messiahship of Christ or the works of Christ or the finished work of Christ. This was the greatest deception that they were warned against. Romans chapter 16 verse 8. Let's see what Paul warns the saints in Rome about. Romans chapter 16 and verse 8. Am I right? Uh, Verse 18, sorry. Verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. So Paul is warning them against certain people now who uh, are causing divisions. Verse 18, For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their appetite. Now see how they are going to do it. He says, By their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So Paul warns the church in Rome about people who have smooth and flattering lips that deceive 
the very naive ones. So Paul once again, and you see, every time, pay attention, every time he's warning, he's always referring to people who will deceive, who will mislead. Now, if the Antichrist was that figure like we've known, they would talk about it all the time. But what the apostles emphasized was the deception of false prophets through flattering words that take away the messianship of Christ. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me, just, go, let me just drop something here. I'm hoping the Lord will open our eyes to it as we progress. You know, you know one, of the, one of the dangerous, but one of the, let me know the word dangerous, but one of the subtle teachings in the body of Christ that we need to be careful of is the very teaching that exalts man in the place of God. Where it almost looked like it is man who is in control of God. You know that many times when we come into the Christian faith, it is almost like it is what we want. It is, it is we using God, not us being subjected to the will of God. So we, many times, a lot of Christians don't understand what the Lordship of Jesus means. When you say Jesus is your Lord, what that actually means is that He is in charge of everything in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That we are subject to Him, but that's not what we teach. Today, you will even hear ministers stand on the pulpit and tell you that, take care of yourself, look after yourself, do what makes you happy. And we're preaching that all the time. And do you realize that none of the fathers of the faith actually did what made them happy? I know you know. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the children of Israel than to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. How many of you think that would make them happy? Joseph, sold by his brothers, had to forgive his brothers. How many of you think that would make Joseph happy? Come on, go through scripture. Tell me someone who did what made him happy. Jesus going to the cross. Was Jesus dancing to the cross? Come on, somebody. Are you here? Hey, hey, hey. Was Jesus dancing to the cross? Did Jesus call Judas friend? He called him friend. Did that make Jesus happy? We have the social teachers in Christ. And we're looking for the Antichrist somewhere to come. And right every Sunday we are fed. Words that are against Christ. Let me just throw a challenge to you before I get there. How many of you in planning your goals this year ask the Lord what he wants you to do? Just check. You, you, you're governing your own life. What you just actually want God to do is you have written everything. You have given him deadline. Father, I've got a covenant with you. If you give me 100,000, I will give you 20. If you do it on time, it's 25. You've given God... You've, I mean, that's a Christianity we're taught. Christianity where man is God. Are, are you following? It's subtle. It's flattering. It's smooth. The, the, you see, the enemy will never deceive you outside of what God had said. And I've always told you this. When, when, when Eve was deceived, it was through what God had said. When Jesus was tempted, it was through what the scripture says. So it takes a level of discernment to be able to know and to stand your ground. So it talks about those with flattering lips. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Some, someone else that the apostle warns them of. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. So you see that all the apostles, when they warned people, when they talked about deception, they always talked about people. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. 
He says, now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among, pray attention, you understand that phrase, some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ had been raised. And if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. So some people came and were fighting against the resurrection of Christ. He says, why do some among you? So Paul identified that some among them were preaching that the resurrection was over. And, and Paul says, if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is in vain. You know, I've always told you here, it is not the cross that is the core symbol of Christianity. It's the resurrection. Because if Jesus had gone to the cross and had not, and I'm going to teach you that during the Easter conference next month, if Jesus had not died and resurrected, we will not be new creatures in Christ. It is his resurrection that makes us new creatures. And that is why Christians should be more excited about Easter than Christmas. You know, we like Christmas. Hey, come on, somebody. Are you here? We like Christmas, right? You know why you like Christmas? Why do you like Christmas? Self. New clothes, new shoe, new rice, new chicken, new lights. You know the whole Christmas celebration is about you. You know it's not, it's not that Jesus was born. You use Jesus was born to collect. That's why you're not excited about Easter because there's no cake, there's nothing. But once it's Christmas, come on, somebody. New shoe, new lights. The ribbon child Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. Night Carol lesson. One red and white, red and black, red and white, or red, red something. You know, just people dress. Oh, Jesus was born today. Oh, Jesus was born today. He said, but then just, I, then just go and carry a drink. Say, ha! Ah, Christmas. That's why you like, that's why you don't like Easter. The one that gave you new life, you don't like it. <laughs> ah, church is funny. And you see people invest. And you know some churches, it's only Easter that they teach on the resurrection. After Easter, seven steps to breakthrough. Nine steps to overcome. Fire for fire. My blood is bitter. They will just go about their own thing until next Easter. They say, Jesus is risen. It's once a year they remember resurrection. Praise God. See on Corinthians 11. Look at what he wants them of again. See on Corinthians 11, 3 to 4. He says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. I think I've explained this. Because some of you still think that Adam ate apple. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Look at it. He says, Your minds. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He says, I'm afraid. It's, so you find what the apostles warns us of. And this will now give you context as we go on Sunday to what the Antichrist is all about. What is the goal of the Antichrist? The goal of the Antichrist is not so much as a mark in your hand as opposed to subtle deception from the simplicity and the devotion that is in Christ. Look at our Christian faith today. The simplicity is removed. Is it that you are offering something? You are cutting one covenant? You, no, the Christ, you will see Christians going to church armed with more things than people going to the, to the Habalist house. And we call them articles of faith. 
Articles of faith that we never find in the epistles. <laughs> huh? You know, Philip went to Samaria and turned the whole city upside down. Magicians were born in there. What article of faith did he carry there? We've been removed from this devotion, this simplicity that is in Christ. See, your mind is turned away. Go back and examine our practices in church. How much of it is consistent with what we were taught? Then I'm going to say some things here because it is what it is. Huh? You know, we do feet washing, not here. But you know, we do feet washing as a key to miracle. I know some of you, your feet has been washed before. <laughs> Let truth be said. Was that what Jesus was doing? I mean, it, you know, it, is that what Jesus was doing? That he was washing people's feet for miracle visa? It was a lesson in humility. and That's what I'm saying. There is a simplicity of just serving God that has been removed by false antichristal teachings in the body of Christ. That opposes the very simplicity of faith in the finished works. And, and, and we're looking for someone who is going to stamp our hand. Meanwhile, we have been led astray already. In fact, that teaching is leading us astray to look for something that is not in the Bible. That teaching itself. Look at it. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived thee by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of the devotion to Christ. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Verse 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus... So, it means that other people were preaching another Jesus. Hello? Are, are you still here? Remember Jesus wants a false Christ. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Pause here. Just hold your place here. Let me show you something. Do you know the name Jesus was not special? <laughs> oh, 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 you think it was special? He wasn't... Okay, so how many of you know Joshua? Do you know anybody who answered Joshua? What do you think Joshua means? Huh? Yeah. That's what Joshua means. You know there's a Gabriel Jesus that played for, for us now. Huh? Okay, let me show you from Bible. Let me show you from Premier League. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 verse 6. Let me show you something here. Acts 16. Acts 13 verse 6. Acts 13 verse 6. Uh, am I right? Go to... Uh, 6 to 12. Am I right? Let, let me just read this quickly. Acts chapter... Yeah, go to verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found... Or magician, or magician, or magician, or Jewish false prophets, and sought to whose name was what? Whose name was what? What do you think the word bar means? The drinking bar. It's <laughs> the bunny word for drinking bar. That's what. what do you think the word bar means? Huh? 
<laughs> no, 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 not auntie. <laughs> not auntie. It means son of. Son of, of, son of, son of Jesus. By Jesus. That's what the word means. So there were people, I just read this to show you that there were people that answered Jesus in those days. Because the word just means Joshua. But what makes our own Jesus different was the fact that he died for our sins. He was the son of God and he was resurrected. So, now pay attention. That is why the contention was on who Jesus is. That's the contention. The contention of the deception that we find both in scriptures and by the Antichrist is surrounded around the Messianship of Jesus. Remember the false doctrines I talked to you about on Sunday, right? Denying that Jesus came in the flesh. So he says, let's go back to what we're reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 to 4. For if one comes and preach another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. So he talked about those who came with a different Jesus, pay attention, a different preaching and a different gospel. Which means that this particular Jesus is spread by their preaching and their gospel. And let me tell you something, if you hear something long enough without checking from scriptures, you're going to believe it. You know, they, and it's amazing today how people teach stuff in the body of Christ. You know, generational curses. Right? And you've heard it long enough that you actually believe that you're cursed. Even though the scripture says you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. They say, eh, it's true, but it's because Satan has not really dealt with you. That's a believer saying that to another believer that he doesn't believe in curses because Satan has not dealt with him. That's a Christian that Jesus died for. Introducing Satan's power to another believer. You know, I went somewhere to preach one time. My own guy said, he's African. He said, you don't understand African demons. I said, wow. Wow, I don't understand them. So, in, in our minds, when Jesus died, his blood was white. So, if the blood of Jesus crosses into Africa, mm, you will know that there's difference between black and white. It's seven of Difference is clear. You know, there are ways we teach and it looks like Jesus is so powerless when it comes to our culture. It's a shame on the body of Christ. It's a shame. In fact, I'll tell you this. False prophets in those days were not doing some of these things. Where Most of the false prophets in those days were rather teaching people away from the devotion that was in Christ. It wasn't even, I'm entering your father's house, I'm going to your father's parlor. This one is African magic drama we added to it. Let me tell you, we need to weep for the body of Christ. This is not a laughing matter. We need to weep for the body of Christ. For the shallowness, the, the shame, the... You know, when you look at scriptures and look at what we're producing, it's far from the mind of God. Far from the mind of God. Far from the mind of God. Now, let's read something else. Let's read something else. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. You know, we teach like the blood is not powerful enough. Ephesians 4.14. <laughs> Ephesians 4.14. It says, As a result, 
We're no longer to be children. Told here and there by waves, waves, waves. And carried away by every wind of doctrine. Look at what he calls it. Look at what he calls it. By the trickery of men. Would the word trickery also mean deception? Yeah. Craftiness. In what? Deceitful scheming. Have you heard sometimes some people say, come and give a seed according to your age? What's that? Scheming. Huh? I know some of you still go and give all those seeds. See, there is not wrong. We are still dropping it in the altar. You are deceived. Craftiness. And somebody will say, it's a mystery. Which mystery? Paul says, the mystery which has been hidden in ages past is now being revealed through his apostles and prophets. And what is that mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What should we teach believers today? That Christ lives in them. That they carry Christ. It will bring a new confidence in the way you talk. Hallelujah. Come on, are you still here? Alright, let's see something else. We're just looking all through the... I'm taking you through all the epistles. What were they warned of? What were they warned of? Philippians chapter 4 verse 17. And you never see in all of this where they were so warned of the Antichrist. Rather, they were warned of false people who pervert the gospel. Who twist the gospel. Philippians chapter 3 verse 17. And some of these things can be flattery words. Smooth words. Philippians 3 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk at, according to the pattern you have in us. Look at verse 18. For many walk, many. Always observe. I've told you anytime he talks about deception or false, always see that he doesn't use a singular. You know, he always says plural, right? For many walk, of whom I've also told you, and now tell you even weeping. Can you imagine? Paul was crying, telling them this. Why was Paul crying? What will make Paul cry? He says they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are enemies of the cross. What does Paul mean when he says they are enemies of the cross of Christ? It means that when these people teach, they do not take the finished work of God into account. They teach like the cross of Christ means nothing. They teach like Jesus died for nothing. They teach like the cross of Christ is powerless to save to the uttermost. He says, he says these people are the enemies of the cross. These are the people that the, the, the apostles warns us of. Enemies of the cross. Today you have people, I mean sorry, but today you have people who teach believers to go to Israel. Right? You see believers praying and carrying Jewish garments. You know, I went somewhere. <laughs> and uh, the guy was talking about the Jewish cloth. They brought him, brought the Jewish cloth, put the cloth. was trying to teach about the power that's in the talit. You know, they have, I'm teaching all of that. And people, you know, my God, this is deep. This is deep. I'm like, every time you read the woman with the issue of blood, you always see yourself as the woman with the issue of blood. Why not see yourself as Jesus? Because you have a victim mindset. Why don't Jesus says you shall let is their appetite? Hmm? Their, their God is the teachings is, is motivated by appetite, hunger, poverty. That is why you realize that when people relocate from Africa to Europe, they drop in their faith because everything we taught them. Hmm? 
You know, we have prayer warriors who pray for Jen not to go off while the man of God is preaching. You know, when you can pass fellowship like that, they were praying, the Jen must not go off. Make cartosa. Lord, the Jen must not go off. Then, all of a sudden, the guy just go abroad. They don't take lines. Eh? Yeah, you are believing for a car. Believing for a car. The guy takes car loan. Ah, ah. No fear of kidnapper. CCTV camera everywhere. Then the guy will just write, your pastors are eating you people's money. No, it's the kind of gospel we taught. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, if, if the gospel is rightly taught, whether you are in Europe, whether you are in America, whether you are in Australia, wherever you are, your fervency will be the same. Glory to the name of the Lord. He says, who's God? Right? Is the appetite. Whose glory is in their shame? Who set their minds? On earthly things. Praise God. Okay. Go to Colossians quickly now. Chapter 2. We're looking at the false things. The false prophet. The false people that they warned us of. Please pay attention to all these things we're reading. Alright. We're not wasting time. We're reading from all the epistles. So put all these things together. So by Sunday when we get to the characteristics of the Antichrist. You will not understand how the deception takes place. Because there are two extremes here. Let me just put it, summarize it for you so that in case you, you, you don't study. But if you study the scripture, you, you realize three major errors. Number one, the error of denying the fact that Christ is coming in the flesh. That's number one error. Number two error is legalism. Okay? They deny the cross of Christ. Number three error is materialism. Alright? They think that godliness is a means of great gain. So they use godliness as a means of covetousness. So every false um, delusional gospel would always come in these formats. It might not be very obvious. It might be subtle, but it will come in that format. Okay, so let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Let's see how Paul, we've read Philippians, we've read Ephesians, we've read 2 Corinthians, we've read Romans, we've read 2 Peter. We are in Colossians now. Are you there? Say amen, say something. Alright, are you learning something tonight? Alright, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, 8. Colossians 2, 8. Yep, then 18. Alright, Colossians 2 8. Alright. Look at it. See to it, that's ensure, that no one takes you captive. Did you see that? What will take captive mean? What do you think it will mean? Capture, right? Seize, right? Hey, hello? Hold, right? Okay. See to it that no one takes you captive through what? Through what? Philosophy and empty deception according to what? The tradition of men according to what? The elementary principles of the world rather than what? So, 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 put it here, put it here. Everybody look up. What are, the, what are the things listed? Number one is what? Philosophy. Number one is what? Philosophy. Number two? Empty deception. Number three? Tradition of men. Elementary principles of the world. What's on this side? Christ. Can you see it? Can you see the things that oppose Christ? Can you see the things that are anti-Christ? The things that would deceive even the very elect. What are the things that would deceive the very elect? Let's go over that list again. Number one is what? Philosophy, empty deception, tradition of man, elementary principles of the world. Did you see that? Hmm? Go to verse 18. Verse 18. 
Let's go to verse, I like to read this, I like this chapter a lot. Go to verse 15. He says, go to verse 14. You know, it's not a good place to read, but let's just start. Having cancelled out the certificate of death, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He says, whatever was against us was nailed to the cross. Now, remember why Paul was weeping. Because Paul had taught them that these had... (laughs) Paul had taught them that these things had been nailed to the cross. Then somebody else comes and says, no, the things were not, they were not nailed all. Jesus did not pack everything. Did they not tell you? Paul says, you are enemies of the cross. You are enemies of what Christ did. And this is the thing. This is, you see, this is what the apostles warned of. Now, look at this. I'm going to show you something. Go ahead. Verse what? Verse 18. Are we in verse 18? Yeah. No, no, no. Verse what? Verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, what did he do? He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Did Jesus triumph over authorities and rulers? Did Jesus triumph over Satan? All right. Therefore, why? What, what will the therefore be? Because of what Jesus accomplished, let no one... No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festival, or new moon or Sabbath. Things which are mere shadow of what is to come. But what's the substance? Substance belongs to what? To Christ. Verse 18. Verse 18. Let no one keep defrauding. What does, will, will the word defraud, can we replace the word defraud with deceive? Will it work? You think so? What does defraud mean? Just come. <laughs> I like that. Let's change the translation. Let no one scam. Very correct. Let no one scam you of your prize. What is this prize? The inheritance in Christ. Let no one scam you <laughs> of your prize by delighting. Look at it again. How does this scam you of your prize? You go to self works. Self-abasement. The worship of angels. How many of you have seen some very subtle teaching of the worship of angels? You know, you know if I come to church today, I say, well, I took a long time to study yesterday. And, you know, I, I really studied. You say, what are they paying you for? Right? But you know, if I come now, and I just come and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <sighs> I don't even know how to say it. For 3 a.m., 3.15 a.m., an angel walked into my room. You know, everyone would just go quiet like, angel, 3.15. You know, anything I say after that, even if it does not make sense, you say, yes, sir. Hmm. I'm feeling it. You are not feeling anything. Because I just said an angel walked. You, you just drop your brain. Imagine I just say, an angel entered. You just can't try the break, try the break. Zip, zip, zip. Pastor is talking, angel has appeared. But if I say, I studied all through the night. You study, you don't study, you teach what you want. You see, that's the problem. You even have believers right now. They say that you should talk to angels. Can't you read in the book of Hebrews that these are ministering servants who minister to those who are the heirs of salvation? 
Look at what he says. Let no one defraud you of your prize. That which Christ had won for you by delighting in self-abasement. Eh? Dry fasting. Punish yourself. Climb up the mountain. You know, I saw some guys. Oh, dear Jesus. I saw some guys, some young guys who were praying. And they had all these kind of dangerous positions. Some carried chairs. Some went under the chair. One put his head on the ground, put his leg up. Who is their pastor? Who is you, you know, and you know when you see those pictures and the guys are doing like this in place of prayer, I say, hey, we are not praying in this other church. We are not praying. <laughs> you say, we are just playing. <laughs> and then you hear very, very nice words. If you don't pray, you will be a prayer. You say, mm. never seen it like that before. <laughs> what are you people seeing? Do you realize, pay attention here, do you realize that every prayer that Paul prayed for us in the New Testament was a prayer of acknowledgement of what was already done? That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know. That you may know. That you may know. It's a prayer of knowledge. That your heart be rooted and filled with Christ. That you be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Paul did not pray for us like we are victims. He prayed so that our eyes will be opened. So we will know the prize that Jesus had accomplished for us. If you only knew what Jesus did for you on the cross, you would walk away from shame. If you only knew what Jesus did for you on the cross, you would walk away from guilt. If you only knew what Jesus Jesus did for you in the cross, you'll be a, a thousand times bolder on the inside of you. He says, but these false prophets and these false teachers, they oppose the work of Christ by talking to you about the worship of angels. Taking his stand on a vision he had seen. Inflated without cause by his fleshy mind. You know, all these things he described as what will defraud you of your prize is our test of a powerful man of God today. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember one time it was raining, <laughs> we were in school, just coming up in the ministry, and the minister talked about a vision he had from God and how God called him, and which is very true, very valid, I don't doubt that. And then, you know, a couple of the guys around us started having visions. I, I've always, ne I, I don't know, maybe just because of my makeup or something. Things like that have never impressed me. You know, sometimes people come and say, Did God show you any vision? So I didn't see anything. <laughs> you know, my dad delivered me from that very early after I read Pastor Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. We, we bought that book, and all of us were getting up to greet the Holy Spirit in the morning. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Benny's experience. So one day my father came to the room. So what I did. It's for Holy Spirit. Go. <laughs> my father, when I finish, my father, what I do? Say, well, I do good morning to my father. Stop that nonsense. <laughs> he took me to John. He says, when you pray, say, our father. You know, our faith needs to be on the written word, not on experiences. Experiences are great, but you never seek them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you still here? Come on, are you still here? All right. First Timothy chapter 1, 3 to 4. I'm showing you all through the epistles what we're warned of. You never find anything about the Antichrist except in First John and Second John. First Timothy chapter 3, chapter 1, sorry, verse 3 to 4. Let me read this quickly. I need to finish this. First Timothy chapter, chapter 3. And please, First Timothy chapter 1, 3 to 4. And please understand what I said. I'm not saying that angels don't appear to people. Okay? First Timothy chapter 1, 
Verse 3. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men, plural again, certain men, not to teach strange doctrines. He said, instruct them. Please. You know, one of the reasons Paul left... um, one of the reasons Paul left Timothy, Timothy was young in the city of Ephesus, was to stand against false doctrines. And you know, eventually, by the time Timothy died and all of this, you know, all those doctrines crept up. Uh, currently, the, the city of Turkey is, was modern-day Turkey, uh, used to be Ephesus. It's now a Muslim stronghold. You see, if the truth of the Word of God is not constantly taught, you can, we can lose grounds. That's why doctrine is important. Right? That's why doctrine. In, even for our kids, if, you, if you're not big on doctrine on your children, your children will just grow up and they really have a superficial knowledge of the faith. And someone will just go, not you, but just an example. You realize that if you don't teach your children who they are in Christ, they can go to school and someone will teach them that you, who is their father, is the one affecting them. Oh, since you believe that about your mother, you don't think your own children will believe about you. It's a circle. You will soon be old. You know, all that qualifies you to be against your children is old age. You realize that all those money you are expecting, they will send you. So it's better I teach them well now. So that when they hear that, your allowance, monthly allowance will not be cut short. I'm telling you, don't laugh about it. You know, because we are young, because we are the ones now, it looks like, yes, one day you will get old. And your children will also go to church. And you pray they don't fall into the hands of these shallow folks who teach strange things. Praise God. Are you still here? I know some of you is just dawning on you now that, whoa, 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 whoa. So one day I will be old. Wow, that was deep. As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, I remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Verse 4, not to pay attention to myth. And endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation, rather than forging. Look at this. Rather than forging, rather than advancing the administration of God, which is by what? Come on, somebody. Which is by what? Faith. Isn't it amazing that the Christian faith is built on just that word? Faith in Christ and his finished works. What makes you righteous? Faith in Christ and his finished works. What makes you the son of God? Faith. As simple as that. Just believe. Just believe. Okay. First Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 to 2. But the Spirit explicitly says, clearly says, in the latter times, now pay attention to this phrase. We're going to come to this phrase on Sunday. Some will fall away. Fall away. Fall away. Uh, Does any translation use the word depart from the faith? I think some translation uses the word depart. Right? King James, right? Okay. Some will do what? Depart from the faith. Why will they depart? Yeah. A lot of times shall depart from the faith. What is the reason for their departure? Somebody, the answer is there. Come and talk to me, church. What's the reason for their departure from the faith? Go back to the New American Standard Bible. What's the reason for the departure from the faith? Paying attention to what? 
No, no, no. This is key to us understanding how the Antichrist operates. Because even the man of sin is in Thessalonians chapter 4, we, the, the phrase fall, fallen away is used. So, when he talks about those who are fallen away from the faith, pay attention here. When he talks about those who are fallen away from the faith, he's talking about those who have paid attention to another doctrine. That is why when he says you are fallen from grace, it's not about sin. Falling from grace was the fact that he had taught them the message of God's grace. Now they were trying to complete the grace by works. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Hmm? Are, are you following that? So when you say, listen now, when you say the great falling away, it's not like the Antichrist will not come and threaten people. No. <laughs> the falling away is already taking place by people giving attention to what? Deceitful spirit. Now that word, deceitful spirit, actually in the real original Greek word is is the King James uses the word seducing spirit. You know when we talk about seducing spirit, all we just have is a girl just like this. You know, and that's what we think is seducing spirit. But actually, a preacher who preaches something that is false is operating by seducing spirit. Now pay attention here because the Bible says Paul says just as um, Satan beguiled. That word beguiled is also the word seduce. What does seduction mean in that place? Seduction always doesn't mean sexual. Seduction there means where the truth of God is altered so that when someone believes the altered truth, they have a wrong effect. Right? <laughs> Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So Paul warns us of these people again. Touch. First, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 27. Wow. Philippians 1, 27. Are you learning something today? See, I challenge you, right? Go through all these scriptures that we have studied. Go back and study them again. And see how... 27. 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So you must remember that all they were doing with these letters were to strengthen these believers, was to ensure that they kept the faith. Are you following what I'm saying? That was the goal. The epistles were written to strengthen the believers, because they were under intense persecution. They just got a hold of the faith. And all kinds of people were teaching them things that would remove them from the simplicity of the faith. They had Judaizers who had gone in to say, well, if you're not circumcised, then you're not really born again. And these were the people that we've been warned about. Now look at this. Verse 28. In no way are land by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too for God. Go to uh, these are the opponents of the gospel. He calls them in no way aligned by your opponents, by your adversary. Opponents of the gospel. With the word opponents, can we replace the word opponents with anti? Would it work? Opponents of the gospel. Anti-gospel. The people who stand against the gospel. And you know, sometimes when we talk about the people who stand against the gospel, our mind always goes to people from other faiths or traditional Habalists and all of those people. No, sometimes the people who actually stand against the gospel are people who preach the gospel, but they don't preach the gospel of Jesus. 
It works itself. Huh? They turn soul winning to a means of increasing your business. If you win more souls, God will give you more business. Looks, looks like a good teaching. You know, that's why I've always, I, I mean, I, and I must confess, I've always had a struggle with trying to teach people to be committed to God, you know? And because there are several teachings you can teach people to be committed to God. Say, if you win so, if you win so, God will start winning things for you. Okay. So the man goes to win so. Is the man winning soul now because he loves souls? Oh, come on, talk to me. I know some of you have heard that before. Eh? Eh? So, if you attend to God's business, God will attend to your business. There you are, yes. Say, God, I hope you are seeing me. <laughs> go and attend to my own. Don't be looking at me. I'm attending to my own. You go and attend. And that's the gospel we have heard. Hmm? So, there is no pure commitment to God. If there is no reward, no commitment. If there is... How do I put it? If there's nothing that if we do this for God, God will do this for us, you won't find us. You see all these ones where we have prayer, we, we struggle to come for prayer, we struggle to, it's for us to just announce one thing. You see that this place will be packed full. Hmm? Of course, if I put that kind of topic, I'm not sure people will come again because it's known for a long time. Eh? But let's just say fighting your adversaries, your enemies must disappear. The place will be full. <laughs> you know, we should be ashamed of what we've taught the body of Christ. I'm telling you, we should absolutely be ashamed. So today, it's about what can I do for God so God will do something for me. Do you think that's true love? Hmm? Do you think that's true love? That's not true love. And you know sometimes, even your children are like that. Eh? When you say, go and do this, then they say, what will you do? You know, your children are always trading with cartoon. Eh? You know, sometimes when you come to the house, I see that your children have kept the house clean. Even you know that. <laughs> you just laugh. <laughs> Once you see that, you say, you go can go and watch. You know that that cleaning is not because they like the house to be clean. They have no interest in the house. Are you following what I'm saying? It is, what part of the commandment can we mark so that we can watch? Just tell us what to do. So when you see them very obedient, say, oh, bring this thing. They just run. <laughs> say, Why are they running like that? You, you know, if a stranger comes, he will say, wow, these children are so obedient. They lie. Lie. He said, using spirits. Are, are you following what I'm saying? That is how we've taught people to be obedient to God. Let me ask you a very simple question tonight. And don't ever forget this. If God never does anything again for you for the rest of your life, would you still serve him with the joy that you have now? Just a question. That whole thing you are believing God for, God doesn't give it to you. Will you still have joy? The truth of the matter is that our joy is tied to what we get from God. Because that is how our own salvation was preached to us. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! If your eye is paining you, come to Jesus. He is the eye drop. He will clean you. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean you just come to Jesus. Father, this is my eye clean. And then, and then that's the concept. That's, that's how you were born again. You were not born again because you felt like I needed a savior. No! You didn't want to miss heaven. And they show you this scary movie. And they are turning somebody in the, in the fire. Oh! I live in change. How many of you want to give your life to God? Where are they giving their life? Yeah, say after me. Say after me. Father Lord, Father Lord. All the baptisms I do, all the baptisms I do. I'm not doing again. I'm born again. I'm born again. So you are saved. Fantastic. Great. Praise the Lord. 
<laughs> you have heard the gospel. It's a fee card for us. What's your name? What's your age? Something else. Six million people gave their lives to Christ. Okay? And the evangelist comes. Shows you another film. This time is well produced. HD. The horns have interiors. See the teeth of the devil with horn and tail. So on his thick tail. Just using the tail to wipe everybody. Cars are falling. Boom, boom, boom. We don't give a life. Yeah. I'll give it. See your name. How old are you? Seven million give their life to Christ. Okay. Now the country is 20 million. Seven million give their life to Christ. Corruption increases by 40%. Kidnapping <laughs> 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 <Not> increases. <laughs> so what happened? What happened? Because sometimes I think we actually rush people to give their lives to Christ because we just want to hear cards filled. They don't hear, they, they have not heard the message. They don't even know the message. Hmm? And so there's no depth. You know, in those days when people gave their life to Christ, they wrote letters to their girlfriends. Right? Dear Rita, I am sorry. I'm not born again. Yes? When Pastor Mary gave her life to Christ, she didn't write later. Her dad is a military guy. And when she got into the Pentecostal faith, her dad was more Catholic. She was persecuted for her faith. Hmm? Persecuted for her faith. Sometimes it will beat her. Persecuted for her faith. Me, I was going to the pastor's home. I gave my life to Christ like ten times. You <laughs> like to Christ. I remember how bad things I've done. I said, I've given yeah, my father will look at me. Let this, let this be your final time. I say, <laughs> until I do another bad thing, but it's fine. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because I knew, I knew where to. You do you understand? So, there was no persecution for my faith. In fact, I was encouraged to have it. I grew up with Bibles. Birthday gift Bible. How was the translation? <laughs> the truth of the matter is, we need to get back to the faith, the basics of the faith. Two more scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 2. Are you still here? Come on, are you getting something tonight? Alright. So let's, not, let's not miss the point. Let's not miss the point. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 14. Let's read this quickly. Second Timothy 2, 14. <laughs> Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the bearers. Be diligent to present yourself, approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, for 16, but avoid, em- avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Uh, give me the amplified version. Let me see. I'm going to stop here, and then I'll pick up. Please remember where we're stopping because of time. I'm going to pick up from here on Sunday. Uh, exactly, this is what I'm looking for. When you read that word, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. I actually not check the pronunciation. But if you read that word that was in the New American Standard Bible, right? If you read that word, that word is like cancer. It's cancer. It's like cancer. And that's why I say you should use the Amplified. And their teaching will devour. And will eat its way like cancer or spread like gangrene. So it is with... Hermeneus and Philetus. Now, he was talking about uh, uh, it was talking about a message that spreads like cancer. 
and mention two people who were at the forefront of this. Look at the next verse. Men who have gone astray from the truth. Saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the fate of some. They upset. Give me the amplified version of, uh, verse of that. They upset the fate of some. What did they say? They undermine. They are undermining the fate of some. They are causing the fate of some to shake. This is the same thing as the falling away that we read before. So you see that the deception we're talking about had to do with wrong presentation of the gospel. Like I said, remember, because of time, we're going to pick up from here and go, to, go into First John, First uh, John chapter four, Titus, and then First John on Sunday. But you see, what I've just attempted to show you today is that when Jesus talked about false prophets, he was referring to all of these people. And that was the warning that had come before that John was referring to. These are the things that oppose Christ, oppose the message. Saints, there is a contention for the truth that we need in our generation. And let me say this. It's not truth that you've just heard before. It's truth that you've studied out. Because some of the things we also fight for as truth were things that were not properly studied. I want to challenge every one of you tonight that have heard this message or that will hear this message. Become a Berean believer. Become a student of the word. Become a student of the word again. Fall in love with the word. Give time to the word. Be rooted in your conviction in such a way that no matter the amount of persecution that comes our way, we will not shift our grounds. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? There are certain things that should never make you shift your ground. Your joy is not based on anything that is in this world. It's based on the fact that the resurrected Christ is your Father and is your God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We ask, O oh God, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that our heart is strengthened in this truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.